Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. The purpose of the prime time Saturday night meeting is to talk about the reason to come to Alcoholics Anonymous. To expose alcoholism, not just as a word, but as a living, mind-powered disease. How the disease appears in our lives today in order to deepen our awareness of what we are up against. Alcoholism is called ism because it is alive and functioning and needs to be treated. We discuss here strictly the disease and it met as it manifests in each of our own personal lives. The way our behavior is this day, the way we react or look at people, places, and things. We do not talk about drunk logs, yesterday's problems, or blaming other people. We talk only about looking inwardly, describing how self behaves in the day we are in. First, we will have a speaker who will talk about the purpose of coming to AA for approximately 25 to 30 minutes. Then we will have sharing and our questions and answers. Sharing is strictly limited to five minutes or less. You will receive a warning signal at the end of three minutes. We want everyone to have a chance to participate. We do not allow foul language as these meetings are recorded and CDs travel all over. Okay, I'm Heather and I'm an alcoholic. So we all know to hit up David when we want to go to Bali. That was a good friend I made. <laughs> you see what AA gives me? <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Heather. I'm an alcoholic. Um, tomorrow I will have 23 months sober. And probably like six full months treated, maybe, somewhere in there. Um, you know, this is a great program, and... I think that the shares tonight, and by the way, happy birthday to both birthday celebrants, really expressed exactly what this program does and what it can do. And, um, you know, when we were walking across the street, you know, I'm nervous, I'm going to speak, and I think I can manage my nerves. So then here this nice guy walks up, and I'm like, I know I have to talk to someone. And some reason, something in my head said, like, maybe God sent him to you. And then um, Ben, right? Ben came up, and he said this is his second meeting, and David said to him, everyone in this room has been where he is. And I was like, that was really profound. <laughs> and it's so true, and that's what makes this place um, actually so comfortable and so safe for us is because we can all relate. And when I'm honest with myself, I really do feel compassion, you know, for you and for anyone who's in their 25th year but feels like you feel, and uh, it happens all the time. Um, the major lie that I fell victim to was that if I have a good day, if I have a spiritual day, if I wake up on time and I pray and I read and I call another alcoholic and I bring God with me in all my affairs, that I know how to do it for the rest of my life, and I don't. And it's so disappointing that I can't just do it perfectly once and then take it with me. Um, because I would. I would stop everything in my life. I would make this priority one for one day, 100%. Um, but it just doesn't work like that. And I think it's a really good life lesson. I think that that's probably how all aspects of life are. Uh, I'm 28. I'm about to graduate school. I'm looking for a full-time job. Um, I have a lot of things going on in my life, which cause me a lot of anxiety. And I just say that so that you understand my experience of my life and how I apply this program in the day that I'm in. The ego is something that causes me great pain. For me, I think the truth is it says I'm, I'm less than. Even though my actions are celebrated, even though I have accomplishments on paper that say um, I'm eligible for someone to be proud of me, I guess, I, I still struggle with the memories that I 
wasted about 10 years of my life doing nothing except going backwards. And when I mean backwards, I mean backwards, like forgetting how to brush my teeth, forgetting how to shower, forgetting how to feed myself, you know, going super backwards. And I have this insatiable desire to continue to go forwards. And I don't think that standing still is really standing still. I think if I'm not going forwards, I'm definitely moving backwards, and it's it's terrifying for me. So even though as I'm going through my life and I'm taking these steps to build, you know, build one, <laughs> severing relationships with my family, um, trying to grow, you know, a close network of friends and relate to people in the meetings and have a, a support system here, going to school so I can um, avoid financial insecurity, which won't ever happen probably either. Um, there's still always this voice that says, I'll never catch up. And it's confusing because I hear a lot of people say, you're young, you're lucky. And it, it has no weight because my feelings are so much stronger and the voice in my head is so much louder. And it actually, you know, makes self say that that person's stupid. <laughs> that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Or I just give some different impression than the truth. Which is very characteristic of the alcoholic who leads the double life. Um, I don't think I'm, I don't think it's an effort to try and fool anyone, especially myself. I think it's just being told to take the next right indicated action is counterintuitive to what I would do. And so there are times when I feel like I'm pretending and I'm a fraud, but it doesn't matter. You know, I'll never figure it out and it really doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm a good person. And that's expressed through my actions, and it starts with my thoughts. And this is a mind-powered disease, and, you know, it says glass in hand, we warped our mind. My sponsor always says glass pipe in hand, we warped our mind. <laughs> glass needle in hand, we warped our mind. Glass whatever, the my mind is warped. And I spent a good, you know, probably six months to a year trying to figure out if I warped it, if it's genetics that warped it. Is it society that warped it? Was it something I drank at a high school party that warped it? I don't know. And and I asked that question in this meeting, and this, like, hotshot speaker was just like, I don't know, and it doesn't matter. And it was a very simple answer, and I can accept that answer for some reason. Um, you know, for me, there's no truth worse than a question mark for me. I have to know things, or I don't feel okay. I have to understand things, or I feel vulnerable. A perfect example is I went to another program uh, about a week ago, first time at um, another, you know, 12-step meeting, um, you know, a relationship love meeting, and I was listening to the meeting, and I swear to God I started to taste alcohol in my mouth. And I got up and left the meeting, and I don't really do that. Um, I don't really get up and leave meetings. It's very rare that I do. I couldn't sit there and listen. And I was talking about it, you know, with some people in this room, and they were saying that uh, perhaps because I couldn't understand what was being said. I didn't understand their lingo. They have a different language. They use these different terms that were super confusing to me. And I think that there may be some validity to that. So like I'm trying to express here. I'm, I'm going through life. I'm, I'm doing what feels right to me and what, you know, has been laid out in front of me. And of course, to some degree, what I know is, is, is expected of me by society and my life and, and actually of myself. And, um, I still can't shake these feelings that I'll, I'll never get there. And There's a couple ways to live in sobriety for me. This is all my experience. The first year of my sobriety, I, I feel like I lived in like kind of like padded walled room. And what I mean by that is uh, I kept my routine very rigid. <laughs> I kept uh, the people in my circle pretty much the exact same. Um, I didn't want anything external to disturb me and interrupt my path. And... Um, 
some, I think it was the Denise who was talking about white knuckling it. I feel like that's kind of like what I was doing. And, um, like I said, I'm about to graduate. And for me, that's like a finish line. For me, that is something that typically right at this point where I'm almost there, I would screw it up by some means. That's just typically how I roll. And I know for the first year especially, I kept my life very closed, very small, so that nothing would get in this way. And what I'm really saying with my actions is that I I don't believe there's a power that can protect me, solve all my problems, take care of me, meet all my needs. And I just don't want that kind of life. I don't want to be afraid to try new things and not do them. I don't want to avoid situations because uh, alcohol or drugs are there. You know, I love to dance and, like, I never go because people are always drinking and I'm just afraid to go. I'm not afraid of the alcohol. I mean, that's the honest truth. You know, it's not the easiest thing to be in, like, social situations without alcoholics because for so long I just made sure that you guys were all that, you know, I was with. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, perhaps that's the reason I almost, you know, that tomorrow I'm going to celebrate 23 months sober. I'm not saying that that's a bad route. I'm just saying that for myself, growth is essential for me to feel worth. And this program and these principles and reaching out to a sponsor and especially reaching out to try and help someone else, um, is the foundation for which I can grow this life safely. And I don't know how to do it. Um, I don't know really, like, how to be, you know, in a romantic relationship. I certainly don't know how to break up with one. You know, that's a lot harder. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, and I, and I seek advice from people, and then I hate what they say, and then I listen because, I, for example, one lady I spoke with said, she didn't date for a whole year. And that was, you know, what a comfort blanket, what a cup of chicken soup, you know, like, oh, I don't have to go through these scary feelings of being alone or of, um, you know, feeling like I'm lacking or of experiencing something new because this woman in AA who has a great relationship, which I don't know, you never know what happens behind closed doors. I hope it is a great relationship, but I'm just saying, that was her advice, don't date for a year, and, and I like, you know, I took that and used it as a band-aid for a couple weeks, and it's just, I know when something is really true for me, and that's just, I don't need that direction, and, and it worked for her, and that's great, um, but it's just not what I need right now, and I heard this guy say um, last year to follow your fears. And basically, that's like the scariest thing to do. What should I do next? Well, what am I afraid to do? You know, I'm afraid I'm afraid of sitting at an office from 8 to 5, um, Monday through Friday. I've never done it, and I'm terrified of doing it, and I don't know why. How do I know I won't like it? It's just because my mind says I won't, and I believe it. And so I make all these decisions to prolong that reality from manifesting, you know, like re-enrolling in school, something like that, you know, just to buy a little more time so I can grow up. And um, it's, it's, it's not going to happen if I keep waiting. It's like buying a pair of pants that you know don't fit because one day I'm going to lose the five pounds and I'm going to fit into them. And, you know, you hang them up and you look at them every day as you're eating your Oreos and you're like, tomorrow I'm going to start, I'm going to get in those pants. And that's been my MO for so long is, you know, oh, I'm going to sign up for a dance class next week. I'm going to do it when I'm on vacation and I have more time or after this thing's turned in. And it's just... It's such a lie, and I'm still so enslaved to this infantile ego that's just throwing tantrums all the time. So people would talk in this meeting, and they'd ask, you know, how's your mind treating you? And at first I thought they were crazy. And, and you know, I never, I never heard that before. I never contemplated it. And I didn't even consider it until 
I started to realize that what people were saying wasn't some, um, like, new age type of, um, you know, lingo, that they were actually talking about a voice they wake up to that says the day is going to be terrible, and it says um, you're not going to make rent, and it says um, you'll never find a mate, and if you have one, that that mate's cheating on you or or is the wrong one or... You know, the list goes on, and I think it's a little bit different for everyone, but it, you know, it adapts with the times, and it, this voice in my head, it's, you know, it's a good observer, and it's always watching what I'm doing and who I'm meeting and planting little ideas in my head about what the world is, and, um, and I listen. And I know I listen because my actions follow. And, you know, I try to think of, like, plenty of great examples to share with people and and the one that always sticks out to me is just when I'm at work and I have to do things where I mean I work at a nonprofit we have gala events and I'm constantly stuffing envelopes with invitations and it's just like by the 49th envelope I just I'm so angry that I'm getting an MBA and I'm sitting here stuffing envelopes and and I've even shared about that, you know, here before, but that's how true it is for me. <laughs> Six months later, it's still the same story that I hear. And um, it's just not a valid source for truth. So I'm on a job search, and I was hoping to get, bless you, a full-time job at my place now, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And the people there are nice, and they want to help, and they ask me, you know, how how's your job search going? And I immediately think they're about to fire me. And it makes no, you know, that's kind of the insanity of it. And that's, you know, one of these classic examples of a misperception. It's one of my, you know, first conscious realizations that I'm crazy. They're just being nice and asking how they could help. They're inquiring. Maybe they're making small talk. Who knows? But what they are doing is saying, pack your stuff, you know. You know, put your stapler in the corner. They're not saying you're out of here. But that's what I hear. And without an awareness that the filter in my head is broken, I would believe it. And in the past, that could have um, inclined me to quit right on the spot. That type of moment, yeah, it would have made me sabotage whatever was going on. So I don't want to live this way in sobriety. Like I said, you know, the, when I'm not sober, I'm not really like a human. And um, I hang out with people who don't care about humanity. And we all compete for um, for something that we'll climb over each other for. And it's understood that it's okay because we're in pursuit of this common thing. And that we have no choice. We don't have a choice, so there's really no reason to even judge for how low we are because we are just stuck. And although it's not that magnified in sobriety, it's still kind of like that. Um, and it stays like that when I fail to branch out. And it stays like that when I fail to trust the power that for almost 23 months has gotten a pipe out of my mouth and a lighter out of my grasp. I mean, it used to be grasped. I'd have fingernail indentations in my palm. It's like my little vapor now. Hi, John Harley. <laughs> so, oh, that was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you even listening? <laughs> I'm not captivating enough for you. If you're um. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just makes me feel ashamed to know that I'm sober and I have all this opportunity for growth and enlargement and I don't take advantage of it. It makes me feel sad, it makes me feel ashamed and alcoholism is a disease of shame and guilt and it's unnecessary because every time I realize that I have no control over my memories and my dreams, even my feelings or my nerves, I automatically admit complete defeat. And in that moment, there is some type of surrender. And there are bigger surrenders and surrenders that have more depth and weight than others. Um, some people surrender in the grocery line when 11 people are in the 10-line checkout. 
that's not really me. That's not where I go. But when I try to manage every minute in my day to make the most use of it by, like, going on Google Maps to actually calculate the time my route's going to take me, when I'm walking back and forth, when I'm um, sending an email and then going back to my sent box to make sure it's sent, even though I saw it send, I know that I'm in self. And I don't see, think of a way, how can anyone in that state of mind be helpful to anyone? It's just like a rat, you know, going on the hamster wheel. And, you know, that's just kind of a light and fluffy day. But there are so many other examples that actually, you know, kind of haunt me. Um, You know, this idea of just, like, being alone was the most terrifying idea that I could have contemplated. And it really just led me to see how I have so much faith in people and, and no faith in a power greater than myself. And the way I have began to overcome this is through a lot of experimentation. And just like David was saying, if you seek, you shall find, that's exactly right in my opinion, that when I ask for God's help and I'm receptive to all possibilities that it's here, I certainly find it. And, you know, seeing you on the crosswalk, it's a small example, but for me it's an example. And enough little examples, you know, they become a collection of examples. And enough moments where I feel connected become a collection of something that I refer to as faith. And it's when I don't remember that that faith is available and is meaningful and is mine that I'm uh, in pain and angst and worry and confusion. You know, it says we were created, I'm a creator of confusion. I, I hate when people share and they say we. It makes me angry because I feel like they didn't ask my permission to be included in their claim. <laughs> and no one consulted with me and perhaps I don't fit that bill. And it's just another example of, of how I feel like I'm different or less than or I guess better than. It just, it makes me angry, so I try to speak in I a lot, too. Um, And that's why I'm really trying to concentrate on my own experience. And I'm surprised right now, because usually when this happens to me, when I share, I say I'm really anxious to hear from you guys, and I run off the stage. But I'm not nervous right now, and I'm actually really comfortable in the silence. And it's fun, actually. I'm, I'm in control of the whole meeting. But there's there's just nothing to be afraid of. You know, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm sober, and it's by the grace of God. And there are so many people in my life who are available to help me through these trying times. And I'm the type of person that doesn't like to reach out. I really don't, until the pain is absolutely unbearable, and then I become such a nuisance. But it doesn't matter, because no one here has ever refused me, absolutely no one. And that's unusual, but I think it's like what I was saying in the beginning, that we all have a common bond here, and it's that where we've we've all been where the newcomer has been, and some of us have been the old-timer with newcomer feelings, and... You know, it's important for me to remember that the moment is the only one that counts. And that's where gratitude comes from for me. You know, to have the, it's healthy for me to have an understanding that just because I have a connected day or a treated day or a great day, it doesn't mean it's going to last forever. That's a healthy fear for me to have so that I don't rest on my laurels. On the other side, it can be unhealthy if, in the great moment, I recognize, oh, here, a dooms moment is, you know, just around the corner. And I'm thinking, when that thought comes up, when in a great moment I'm thinking about a moment that's going to be terrible, I've already taken myself out of that moment that was great. And I rob myself of something that, you know, is really precious. When Denise was up here crying, I started to get teary-eyed, too. 
which is no surprise because I'm a very emotional person and I'm really sensitive to other people's feelings. But I really understand why those tears are so meaningful for her. And I think they're the best when you don't expect that they're coming. I mean, that's really from like the depths of your soul and the bottom of your stomach. And some people in the world don't get to experience that. And um, it is beautiful that we can want to give up on ourselves and other people won't or won't let us. And that's why I can't just do this program with God. I have to include other people. That's the point. And, um, you know, I, I don't have a sponsee, and I've never had one that's gone through all 12 steps. But there are a few girls who I speak with on the phone. And we have some really great conversations. And it really does make me feel like I'm part of something greater than myself. And I'm really proud to be a member of AA. i got to be honest. I think that um, this gives me one leg up on a lot of people. I know, it's crazy as that sounds. <laughs> but it does. It's because, you, you know, we, we, um, we, the book, <laughs> the book has such specific directions for the emotions that come up. And when I feel disturbed, I pause and call someone or turn my attention to someone else. And I think that other people, you know, or those without a, pro, a program of recovery, is that five minutes? No way. I've never made it this far. I haven't. Um, that they don't have, you know, they don't have a roadmap to deal with certain things. And and I always do hear when I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. And I get to take a look at what instincts are being affected. And when I recognize that it's just my alcoholism and that the world's really not ending, I'm, you know, graced with great relief. And I don't think God gives me more than I can handle. I think it's true that everywhere I go, the problem follows me. And I think God follows me everywhere, too. And I don't see why he would set me or anyone else up for failure. I just don't, I don't believe in that. I wasn't brought up religious, but I'm definitely willing to consider there's a power that can not just keep me sober, but that can solve all my problems for me, that can give me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And for me, that is those emotions you were just experiencing. That's, you know, you can't return it. You can't purchase it. You can't put a price on that. No one can ever take that away from you, and that's your moment, and it's just really great to be alive and experience things like that and be able to give that to someone else. My sponsor will always ask me, how free do you want to be? And he never remembers he says that, but he does. He tells me, and... uh you know, I, I, I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, and I know that there are areas that I need to tighten up. Um, but that line, how free do you want to be, really drives me to make those amends and really drives me to try to be as honest as I can in the moment in my affairs. And it's so important. I think it's so important to practice that principle of honesty and accountability because reputation is really important. And to combat the character that I used to live in, I have to utilize this moment with a new set of principles that define a new character. And I have absolutely no power to do that on my own. But it can be achieved when I reach to you guys, and it's achieved when I reach for a power I call God. And there are some miraculous stories in this room and some miraculous stories of people who are absent from this room right now that just, they just blow me away. And to think that God's not going to help me find a full-time job is just ludicrous when God has, you know, taken a spatula and scraped us off sidewalks and placed us in clean clothes and fed us and put us here 
awful. A lot of us with gas, you know, in the in the car in a home to go to with an actual key to lock the door, not climbing through the window or squeezing through bars. And to some people, those things are requirements and, you know, might look at me and think I'm weird or funny for appreciating those things. But when I appreciate the small things, I mean, there's a lot of small things to appreciate. If I'm just waiting for the big grand ones, I might be a little sour all day long. And that's what I mean by a leg up, is that I have been given an opportunity to view life as full of opportunities. And um, now it feels correct to stop. Thank you guys so much. And, Kat, thank you for having me. Would someone like to read the 12 traditions? Yep, please. Okay, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all the all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And so the meeting is now open for sharing. Who would like to begin? Yep. Hi, I'm Christine. I'm an alcoholic. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, I would like to say that you completely got me out of my head, but I'm so uh, just feeling guilty and kind of like run rampant today that I just uh, sitting in the mess of things and feeling trampled and. Um, having a little pity party for myself, even though I, I don't know, isn't it funny how, like, we'll have pity parties for ourselves about the fact that we're terrible people, (laughs) I just find that, I don't know, um, and congratulations on your birthday, uh, Denise and, um, David, no, that was just your birthday, um, I can only hope to get that far, so, (laughs) Um, so I'm really grateful for this, but it's horrible to be sober and realize how much of a liar, cheat, and a thief you are, and just have it sitting in front of you like, oh, great, I'm still a klepto. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Uh, I still can't go to Venice and not steal something. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Even if I have money on me, um, I can't do it. I just can't. I have to steal something. I have to. Um, I can't walk into a liquor store and not steal candy. I can't do it. I can't, I can't not, like, lie, like, at least once a day. I have to tell, like, a lie a day. Like, just lie about one thing. Like, it can be, like, a little lie, but I have to lie about one thing, and I can't... (sighs) I don't, I, 
it's horrible, like, like being sober and just noticing all these things about myself because I have nothing to dull the pain of how horrible a person I am. And I don't want to be this person, and I feel like I'm taking steps in the right direction, but, um, but the truth is I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I'm just, you know, looking to my sponsor and other people that I admire in this program, and I'm like, okay, I know that they have what I want, but, you know, I feel so far away from that. Um, it's like, I've always felt like I was a really good person so that um, I could hate my outsides and my insides were okay so I could be okay. And now I'm realizing how fucked up I am on the inside. Sorry. Oh, my God. Sorry. Um, and so now I'm realizing that both of them are not okay with me and... Um, and I just feel so, like, wrong. And I, I don't know, like, like stopping lying and cheating and thieving is just as hard as stopping using. So I feel like I should have a sponsor for that, too. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for letting me share. John Alcoholic. Hi, John. Uh, thanks, Heather. Um, I, I just wanted to come up here because um, that was good. That was good to hear. Uh, I needed to hear that. And I, I was coming over here tonight going to myself, saying to myself, um, why do I need to go to this meeting on Saturday night, drive over the hill, um, you know, why, why do I need to come over here? I, I, I've asked myself that so many times. Like, so for the same reasons. And uh, I get to these primetime meetings with a good speaker talking about, you know, uh, alcoholism, ego, and self. And the self talking uh, ego inside. And, and I need to re be reminded every time. I it's great. You reminded me, you know, and, and, and I got over here. You know, you were really easy to listen to. And, and that's, for me, that's, that's a little minor miracle or major miracle because um, I can't listen to people. Uh, I don't even think I was really talking to God, asking God to help me listen tonight, which is, which is unusual. So, so I appreciate that. So thanks. And I'm sorry I missed the birthdays. Sounds like it was inspirational. Um, uh, and, um, there, there was something that you were talking about, uh, you know, that, that, that I needed to hear also is that, you know, because I, I rested on laurels, you know, and, and, you know, you, you're feeling good and things are going your way and, and then you, you think that I don't deserve it, you know, something, you know, there's something around the corner you know, wait, I, I'm just in denial. I mean, you know, I, I can't pay my rent. I'm not making enough. Um, you know, I can't be happy. You know, I don't, you know, that doesn't make sense. So, boom, boom, you know. Uh, so, what do you do about that? And then, and and you were talking about de defeat. And I'm finally, I think, in, in this, my sobriety, I'm starting to realize how I can apply that. Right in the moment, right in the day, you know, just, and that's just so simple. And it so puts you right, right where you need to be. And like you say, you know, it's, 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 um, I've got all I need. Um, it's a miracle, you know, alcohol, you know, AA really does give you, gives me, I, I'm, I'm grateful alcohol too. I mean, without this program, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be anywhere near. Um, I wouldn't even know what spirituality means. I mean, I still barely know what it means. You know, it's like it's, but it means a lot to me. 
and I don't know what it means, but I know it means a lot. <laughs> and and uh, and I'm so grateful that I've got a higher power that I get to talk to and and admit complete defeat with to and bring it into my day. And I'm really grateful I got to come over here. You know, this meeting's always here every Saturday night. Good speaker like you, there's always a reason to come. I'm gonna, you know, keep on remembering that hopefully. Thanks. Alcoholic. I'm very grateful tonight um, to be an alcoholic. Seems like we have a small crowd tonight, so um, I'm not as nervous. Um, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. It's, that seems like a seems like a tall order. It's. Uh, Every day I wake up with alcoholism, and um, lately I've been uh, trying to fight everything, you know, just looking for fights, picking fights, everyone and everyone, just get out of my way, you know, instead of seeing children of God, I see people who are in my way, and um, I, I thought that was over, you know, I thought that, that I had passed that time in my life, you know. Like you hit the two mile mark or the two year mark and you're just done with alcoholism. It doesn't work like that. <sighs> so, um, I want some time back, you know, that the meat grinder took from me. You know, the meat grinder has been taking information and grinding it up and crapping it out and, uh, making everything harder for me, you know. And, uh, I can make a decision to turn my will over to the care of God or I can turn my will over to the care of God. And, um, it's, it's easier said than done a lot of the times, you know. Um, I don't just wake up and get spiritual. Um, I haven't been practicing any sort of, uh, discipline. You know, I go to the gym and that's a discipline for me. You know, and I have no problem doing that. I have no problem going to the gym and building up my pomp and my ego. I have no problem doing that. But what I do have a problem with is waking up in the morning and remembering that my alcoholism is going to be on me all day if I don't ask God to be with me. And that's been the hardest thing that I've been dealing with. So it's been stealing, robbing me of moments of the day days, it's been weeks, um, the other day I mentioned, you know, uh, I mentioned that, um, I don't remember what I mentioned, <laughs> but there is one who has all power and that one is God, and that's what I don't have any doubt in, um, my alcoholism thoroughly beat me into submission. So I, I know that. I know that. That's a fact for me. But still, the alcoholism says, you can control that. You can go back. You can try to drink again like a normal person does without hitting the pipe. Or, or anything else. The obsession of the mind. The obsession of the alcoholic mind knows no bounds. It just takes over everything. And I'm glad to have found this program, and I'm glad to have a power that I can actually turn it over to. And it also helps me to come to this meeting, because I hear people who no longer are robbed of these days and these weeks and these months of their lives, because their alcoholism has taken over again. And I, I, have, a, I have a moral stop sign that I hit, and I've hit the red light again. And... Yeah, I, I talk to alcoholics on a daily basis. Sometimes they give me the information that I want to hear, and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, when they don't give me the right information, or I, I put it into the meat grinder and it comes out, that's crap. You know, so, anyway, that's what I've been dealing with. I'm, I'm very grateful to be here, and I'm grateful this is my home group. Thank you.
my name's Chutney, and I'm an addict alcoholic. And Heather, I could just listen to you all night. It's just so pleasant to hear you speak, and um, I love your presence. And um, so I've been having a bad month, and I've been sick on and off again, and it's hard. Um, One thing I realize while I'm sitting there is that I can't fix a broken brain with a broken brain. I forget that. And I I keep trying. I keep trying to fix my broken brain with a broken brain. It's not working. So, you know, and and, uh, so thank you for the reminder that I have to go to something else. Not my broken brain. I have to go to something else. You guys, higher power, something. Because I'm not able to fix it. I don't have the answers. Too limited. Not feeling good. Don't have a positive attitude. Think y'all suck. You know, I suck. So it's like, boy, I sure don't have any answers. But I can get reminded. I can get reminded. And I forget. And then I beat myself up forgetting. For forgetting? Oh, I'm supposed to remember this stuff. And I always forget. So, I have homework for everybody. Get up in the morning, put one hand on your heart, and the first thought, first thought, you have conscious thought, what am I grateful for? Oh, grateful that I have a bed to sleep in, huh? Not being rained on. You know? It it helps. It really helps. Um, I loved what you said about fear and something about going after the fear, or how did you say it? Follow your fear. I love that. And um, application of that seems really tough. It seems easy to talk about it. But um, what I would like to ask you, Heather, is, um, you know, this relationship with self. You've been around for a while. You know the language. You know the um, definitions of this particular group. And, And I would just like to hear you talk and share about relationship to self. You know, uh, it says in this group that, you know, it's hard for self to reveal self to self. And I have the hardest time seeing myself. I can help everybody else tons, but I can't help myself. I have a really hard time lately helping myself. And so it's that relationship to myself that that is baffling to me right now. And I, I need a reminder. I need something to help me get back on track with that. Could you speak to that a little bit? Thank you. Well, what comes to mind is that self can't reveal self to self because I'm in full flight from reality, and I'm an outright mental defective. By definition, I deny what is and say it isn't. So I'm just, you know, asking myself, how could... I see me clearly if I can't see anything else clearly. And um, the inventory is supposed to be helpful in revealing my character, its defects and, and shortcomings. But I'm, I mean, the primetime definition, I'm not that great with the language. I don't really know. It would probably be some unconscious layer that is, you know, related to, like, primordial instincts for belonging and for reproduction and for sex. But I mean, if anyone else wants to answer that, I'd be happy to. Hi, my name is Ron and I am an alcoholic. I don't have all the answers. Um, I was reading in spiritual literature today that was talking about ego and the warped mind. And this literature was written for civilians, alcoholics, everybody. It was not simply like an AA book. And it said that thinking and thoughts that do not come from a source of truth create a warped mind and a warped experience because they're not based in truth. 
truth capital T. So there's only one source for truth, and that's a power greater than me, the power that created the universe. So my own personal belief, and this is just me, is that uh, we alcoholics are not the only ones uh, to have warped minds. Certainly, um, I do my own thinking. That same thinking creates a warped sense of self because my self-concept comes from me and my experiences from early childhood, from whatever. So, given my drinking experiences, mine personally had 23 years, uh, we do everything to extreme. I have even warped my mind to an extreme. It would make sense to me that um, that kind of um, concept, self-concept, if you wish, is something that I cannot fix myself. So this is where power greater than me comes in. Um, any of these things, um, if I'm trying to fix it myself, uh, for me, forget it, doomed to failure. What self is going to produce and what ego is going to produce is what it always produces. So all I have to do is look at my track record, and that's what I'm going to get in the future if I keep going to my mind without God as a source of information. So, the thing is, how can I build a relationship with God? In the day that I'm in, how can I have a friendship with God? Somebody who really has my back. That is my best friend. That is omnipresent, all-knowing. This is what I need in my life. And all of us have that source right within us. It's not out there, it's within. And this program helps us develop that relationship. Thank you. Hi, my name is Judy and I have alcoholism. Thank you so much for sharing. It's always so great. Congratulations on your MBA. <laughs> That's very exciting. Uh, it's a great meeting. I love this meeting. Thank you, Ron, and uh, happy birthday. It's really inspiring. I love I love celebrating birthdays. And I wanted to speak to that question, Chutney, and I love you, Chutney. You know, self can't reveal self to self because self is the character that I created based on an old idea. So I have a lot of beliefs, you know, that women should cook and clean, and this is the truth, and how do I know that? Because that's how I grew up, and that's what my grandma did, and that's what her, you know what I mean? But I don't even know this is an old idea that's self-created based on my environment, and I think that's truth. And then it's causing me problems because I'm trying to work two jobs and cook and clean and do all these things, and I'm trying to manage it's creating the manageability, and then I'm not appreciated, and then I want to kill him, and you know what I mean, and all the insanity. But I think it's a truth, and self can't reveal self to self, and because I'm living from it as a truth, and I'm consulting self, nothing is revealed. And when I go to my sponsor, and she goes, hold on a second, let me see what you're doing, and I map it out for her, she's like, well, he should do his own laundry. And it's like the sound of broken glass. What? That's not, because that can't happen. Men don't do laundry, it's not right. Right? You know? So it's just like, that's a, a small, maybe dramatic example but whatever that is, that's the old idea that I think I have to be or you have to be or he has to be or they have to be, I'm filled with old ideas created in self, that character that got developed in my culture, in my religion, in my household, in my upbringing, in my world. And the only way to unravel all of that, because that can't even get unraveled all in a measly little small fourth step, a lifetime, you know, I don't know about y'all, I got here 25, some people get here 50, some people get here whenever. That's a lot of old ideas. It's not going to come out in one fourth step, right? So I got to be on the phone with a human being, with a sponsor that has a non-biased perspective and can start to help me see all of my, you know, beliefs. And then I can start to look as an adult in sobriety, is this belief serving me or not? You know, because I can have the belief about doing the laundry as long as I'm not making him pay the price for my belief about doing the laundry. I have to take responsibility for that's my belief, right? But then coming from that perspective, when I'm able to talk it out with a third person, a non-biased third party, I can take a look at all of my old ideas, and then I can decide 
in sobriety, in a new character, whether those old ideas still serve me or not, and whether or not they now empower my sobriety, and then I can choose to keep them or discard them as is appropriate. I'm ad infinitum till I die. On everything. On my work, on my man, on my relationship with friends, on the way I dress, on the way I cook, on whatever I'm doing, right? Whenever there's a disturbance, i got to look at me, and it's probably an old idea that I'm holding on to that I'm not aware is influencing my experience. And then when I talk about it with my sponsor or my spiritual advisor or someone in the program, that person can help me see, wait a minute, let's take another look at that perspective. Then I can get some distance and clarity about it, and then I can then choose from a clean, free place in this program from a new character. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, so, I mean, yeah, there's the complexity of my alcoholism and the little voice and all those things, but then there's just all the old ideas. You know, so that's the beautiful thing about being able to come to meetings and being able to hear a solution and being able to go to a power greater than myself and being able to pray and being able to bring some perspective into my situation and having the human help to help me see where the gap is between where I am and where I want to be and what's in my way, because I can't see it. Thanks. You may just want to, Chutney, also, like, ask God to show you who you are. I'm Rebecca, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I, I hear you speak every day. I don't, I, life is in session, and so when I come, I get to hear her, hear you speak, and it's clearer and clearer every time, and it's, um, it again shows me that God is real, because I get to watch women progress and change, and, uh, so, I, I really, really identified with a lot of the things that you uh, talked about, and I'm, uh, I needed to hear that. And, and what I heard was that um, I don't do life uh, without my mind trying to still convince me <coughs> that I'm not important and that I'm not good enough, uh, even when everything is secure, and that I, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm outright mentally defective and I do not know what's real in the day that I'm in if I'm operating from my mind and um, it's very painful and I and it's been my experience that the pain changes as as I change in this program for me it's um, what used to be just the pain of, or the grief and loss of no longer, you know, saying goodbye to drugs and alcohol. Like, there's a grief and loss of that, and that's one type of pain. And then there's the pain that comes with bills and responsibilities and being an adult. Um, I need a really big God. And my God is constantly changing because the life is constantly moving forward. And I really identified with, I spent so much time wasted and now I'm insatiable for going forward and I'm I really am eligible to have a lot of praise on paper as well I love that how you framed that because it's like I can identify with that as well and you're young and you don't know and it's just like you should be so fortunate and I'm just like that's so invalidating because I'm having a totally negative experience of self and I hate myself in this this moment and uh, thanks um Uh, so if I go and I, you know, if I go to my mind, and I've recently been, I've hit a really deep emotional bottom recently in sobriety, um, in relation to my character defect of perfectionism and control, and um, it's been very painful, and because I'm so muscular in my resistance and my ego is so muscular, it I need to be beaten into a state of submission emotionally beaten, and uh, this muscularity uh, is a nice way of putting it. Um, so I need a really big God, and, and I, I can't afford to not connect with God in the day that I'm in. I thought, or like when I first wake up, and, you know, I'm a mom, and I have 
this beautiful family and I wake up and I'm angry and I hate them and I don't want any part of them and I just, my partner tells me that he loves me in the morning and I'm like, what is he saying to me? He's lying and it's horrible and I am wasting so much time. I am wasting so much time not embracing and not enjoying these little things um, I take for granted all the time. And uh, so I was told I get to set the emotional tone in my household with God. And I've been trying that on. I get to try on things all the time. But I really have been, I, I, I'm just going to say this and I'll, and I'll, my, my muscularity in my ego is because I think that I don't need to connect because I'm all these things. I'm a mom, I'm a worker, I'm in graduate school, I have all these things, and it's like, I don't need God. God, you know, that's okay. Like, I'm going to hit the ground running, and God can maybe just kind of catch up with me. And um, I am just, and I have been operating on that for quite some time, and it has been, and you know, the greatest gift is that God has shown me time and time again who is God, and it's not me. And and God loves me so much, and I have to reframe it for myself. With all the emotional pain, he loves me so much that he'll just give me all these challenges created by self so I can know it, the source, whatever, better in a deeper way, not just an intellectual way because I'm, I'm, I'm morbidly smart. <laughs> so um, but thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm Dan. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and um, we come a long way to be at this meeting uh, because of the message that you shared tonight. And I want to thank you and everybody in prime time. Uh, it's relatively new for us to be coming here the last uh, couple months or so. And um, the message is... Uh, Self cannot reveal self to self, right? Um, the uh, the understanding of the thought process in the alcoholic mind, um, the pure simple phrase of outright mental defect that we all sort of nod our heads to when someone says that. Um, and these are really, really important for, for me, uh, and, and I'm really here to, to, to ask a question, both to be in gratitude for this, this meeting and the format that it provides. Um, I'm just a little over five years sober, and um, blessed to have found uh, the, this format, because uh, there's an insatiable desire within me to learn more about uh, my stinking thinking. And um, uh, th this format provides uh, a new avenue for me that I didn't know existed. And I'm grateful for that. So, um, and so many people have so many good questions today that, you know, the, the sort of question I have to, to you, Heather, is... Uh, so much of what you talked about, which is, you know, if you're not growing, you feel like you're going backwards. If you're not um, <clears throat> you're struggling with the fears of finding a career and, and um, being able to pay the rent and do these things and, <clears throat> and uh, struggling with, with self-identity and the, 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 the broken filter and how to understand what... Uh, what you see versus what's the truth, right? And those are, those are very dramatically different uh, in my world. And so I'm wondering what you use on a daily basis to establish your conscious contact with your higher power and, you know, our, our, um, our sort of sanity is, is contingent upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And I'm always want to know what, what do you, how do you do that? What do you do? What have you learned through uh, your experience in this program <coughs> that you can help share? Thank you. I'm going to answer this real quick so that Mike can come here. Um, what has worked for me, hands down, and it took me about a year and a half to get into, is meditation. 
five to ten minutes a morning, or um, when my day's really bad, I leave the office and go into the car. And uh, on my lunch break, sometimes I'll spend half of the lunch break in the car, you know, window crack, listening to the birds just breathing. And I have to tell you that I can walk into that car in a day that looks stormy and gloomy. It happened for me on Monday. I walked in the car in tears, 20 minutes of meditation, and I walked out of the car and had a fabulous evening. Like, hands down, and when the meditation doesn't work, I break down and call my sponsor. That's what, that's what I do. Okay, one of many. Hi, my name is Mike Wadamani, and I love you, Heather. I am an alcoholic, and uh, I'm so glad to see my friend Kat and Julia in the house. I don't know where you are, Julia, but uh, where? Uh, anyways, uh, next to where? Okay, anyways, I'm glad you're back. Um, I just, I wanted to share something that happened. I had a spiritual experience up at Veterans Park up in Silmar. <clears throat> I was reading Chuck C's new pair of glasses, and man, the light went on. Um, and it was sad. It was sad, and it was good all at the same time. Um, sad that I didn't get it sooner, but glad that I got it. You know, but will I keep it? We'll, 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 we'll see. But uh, the, the cool part was here. I'm reading him relay the story of this guy, the coach. His name was Paul, and. He basically, he could recite chapter 3, chapter 5. He could tell you everything about the big book and the 12 and 12. But he was dying. He was dying. And he's, and Chuck C. says, we had to watch him die. Because he didn't take the, the steps off the wall. He didn't take the steps off the wall and live it. And I had this religious conversation with my mom today. You know, and I love her. But she's saying, all you need is Jesus. And I love her. But I said, you know, Mom, you're not an alcoholic. I said, that, I said finding a, a higher power and turning my will and my life over to is one of the biggest components of my sobriety. But working with another alcoholic, sharing my experience, strength, and hope, and also turning in my thinking to someone that has, like you were sharing, you know, an unbiased thought to what my mind is telling me is a great idea. Let's go out and do this. Um, that, I said, Mom, is what separates me from maybe someone going to church. Because I went to church and got fed all this good information. But it still didn't help me stop drinking. It still didn't help me self-destructing. And the thing that I loved that Chuck C. said was, I cannot think my way to good living. I have to act my way to good thinking. And that, with that, I will... Did you stay present for that whole thing? <laughs> Those for you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.